Mic check, one, two. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. We are coming to you live, late edition, special edition of The Core Report. Black Broadway presents The Core Report, and we are here to talk about the life, the legacy, and the impact of the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, man. The legendary Supreme Court Justice, one of the leading women in the legal practice in this country for decades. We got to talk about her legacy and we also got to talk about what it means now that she's gone because one of the most unfortunate things about her passing right now is that we're not even going to get to properly mourn her, man. Like, instead of mourning her as a human being who lived a legendary life that we going to miss, now people are talking about her like she's some type of fucking levy that broke and... You know, that was the last defense against, you know, constitutional collapse or whatever. Hey, guys, I do the news. Let me tell you something. Newsflash, this shit has been in collapse for quite a while now. We are just here to talk about what this particular brick falling means. Shout out to my brother, Blow. More work to do. You know what it is. And the work never stopped for us. We'll get into it in some detail because, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse there. This shit don't stop. So let's first, first and foremost, talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, man. The life and times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Brooklyn native, big up to Brooklyn one time, you know, much love to the Brooklyn crew, the Jewish massive out there in Brooklyn too. You know, they got Williamsburg, Park Slope, all types of crazy shit on a lot. Shout out to them, man. Ruth Bader Ginsburg comes from that. Humble beginnings out there. Her mother was an accountant for... Uh, a clothes maker in the garment district, which was originally run by Jews in New York. You know what I'm saying? So she comes from that strong business community, that strong community period. In 1993, she was appointed to the Supreme Court by then-President Bill Clinton. Before that, she was appointed to the D.C., Washington, D.C., here, home circuit of the appellate court. And she was appointed by Jimmy Carter, very late in his term, she was one of the first women to be appointed to the appellate court. And she was also a prominent law professor who, when she started off in her education and in her legal practice in the late 50s, early 60s, there were no protections against discrimination for women. There was no Title IX. There was none of that. So she actually was a trailblazer in all of these regards. Everything that she did was more or less record-breaking and groundbreaking. She was not the first female Supreme Court justice. The first female Supreme Court justice was Sandra Day O'Connor. Big shout out to her. You know what I'm saying? I can remember growing up learning a lot about her. She was appointed by Jimmy Carter to the appellate court in the late 80s. And pardon me, in the late 70s, early 80s. You know what I'm saying? Served on the Supreme Court for 27 years. She was 87 years old. This lady literally was active on the Supreme Court up until the last term of the Supreme Court, which just happened. Several extremely important cases took place during this term of the Supreme Court. Things having to do with immigration. Things having to do with reproductive rights. Things having to do with trans rights. All of these decisions, this, this woman was involved in from start to finish while battling her fourth bout of cancer. Yo, 
Some people get to retire. You know what I'm saying? Some people, when they get into their early 80s, maybe even late 70s, they might want to fucking call it a day. This lady did not do that. Nothing like that. Nothing of the sort happened. She was not able to ride off into the sunset and just live the life of a grandmother. She felt like democracy, the country that we live in, was in such perilous, tenuous times that the bit of influence that she did have on the highest court in the land, she was not willing to give up for any reason at all. And that's fucking crazy. Imagine thinking, no, not even thinking, knowing that your job is that important. And if you leave, things will go haywire that quickly in your 80s. Imagine that. Imagine understanding that fully. And a lot of people have made points to say that, yes, she was 87 years old when Obama was the president in her, I guess you could say, in her early 80s. There was an option presented that she could have retired. There was talk about that and allowing Obama to um, to um, nominate another Supreme Court justice and allowing the court to tilt in that direction. People don't understand that the democracy and the the slide towards authoritarianism that we're in right now, it began in the early Bush years. And I'm talking about Bush one. All right. We've been on this track for a long time. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg is very, very aware of that. She was a liberal voice on an overwhelmingly conservative court. We live in overwhelmingly conservative times. It's very important to remember that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is remembered for her dissenting opinions. She wasn't on the majority side of a lot of shit. Most of the shit. She is remembered for being the member of the highest court in the land who was at least able to eloquently express why the people dissent with this particular opinion. That's important to remember. Ruth Bader Ginsburg record as a Supreme Court justice is not that of winning cases, if there's such a thing, or being on the winning side of particular issues. She is known as the minority voice, the voice of the people, and that's important. Even more important in these times where authoritarianism is such a part of our life that many, many things happen and we are often led to believe that these are the opinions of the people. Thanks, Rich. I'm glad you've read a lot of her dissents, yo, because that's important. I know you did a lot of legal study, too, so that's important to read, to read her dissent. She was a great writer. She wrote great dissenting opinions, even though if you know anything about law, you know clerks are heavily involved in that and they do most of the writing there and it is worth noting that Ruth Bader Ginsburg during her entire career as a Supreme Court and appellate judge never hired a black clerk never not one time did anyone black clerk for her now she hired many women and many men but there was never anybody of color that clerked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg that's just worth noting because in a minute, we're going to have to get into and we're going to have to discuss why we saw her as this super liberal person when in actuality she functioned on she served on one of the most conservative courts in the history of the United States. And she often took stances that were aligned with certain facets of the conservative movement. We'll get into that a little bit later. Again, like I said. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is highly remembered for her dissenting opinions. She also 
was a very prominent spokesperson for women's rights. I mean, she took it on her back to to protect Title IX, Title V, Title Twelve, all of these, all of these uh, court decisions, these precedents that protected the rights of women in the workplace, in academia, in sports, in the military. All of these things were Ruth Bader Ginsburg's issues. As an appellate judge, she made lots of decisions and she was at the helm of lots of decisions that helped to advance these particular issues, that helped to set precedent that was then followed by other judges. And as a Supreme Court justice, she was often in the dissent, but she was a very proud spokesman for all of these particular causes, all right? This is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's history, all right? Like I said, I think it's important that we talk about that because the reason why I'm doing this show right now, for real, is not that I have any particular huge affinity for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I thought it was cute, the RBG shit and all of that. That's great. But I'm here to really make people understand that to push the panic button now just shows a very, very alarming lack of presence. Where have you been the last 10, 15 years, fam? When Ruth Bader Ginsburg turned 80, when shit was going extra crazy in Iraq with the Patriot Act, with all of these type of things, where was y'all? That's 20 years ago. That's 9-11, B. You know what I'm saying? Like, what were, where, where were we talking about then? Were we, were we the notorious RBG in it then? No. You know what I'm saying? You know why? Because at that time on the Supreme Court was a guy named Rehnquist. And some other guys who were up there, uh, Clarence Thomas, you know what I'm saying? These guys were up there making laws that made sure that our election system didn't fucking work anymore. They were busy stealing an election, stealing a whole election. Yo, you got to remember that Supreme Court, one of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's more famous dissents is when she dissented on the opinion that allowed the Supreme Court to stop the fucking recount in Florida. She couldn't do, she couldn't stop that. She could not stop that. When Chris Roberts, a whole bunch of other justices, I can't remember all their names right now. They made, they had their way. And George Bush beat Al Gore and then 9-11 happened and the rest is history. You know what I'm saying? As we say, all of these events came to pass ultimately. Nobody sits and thinks about that because, you know, we've carved out a nice little space for her in pop culture. And I understand that because, you know, to be an 80 year old Supreme Court justice who is at least aware of their Internet fame and so on and so forth probably is remarkable to some people. Probably that is newsworthy, especially in these cults of personality that we function in right now. Everybody, you know, everybody's a celebrity for something. You know what I'm saying? But who the fuck does their job? You know what I mean? And what is their job besides being famous? A lot of people don't know. They just know Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whatever. Anyway, like I said, this is not the emergency that people are making it out to be, all right? Listen, there was no way (laughs) in God's green earth that Donald Trump's term as president was going to end without him appointing another Supreme Court justice, specifically for her seat. The lady had cancer four times, people. She was going to pass, unfortunately, and and the odds of her, the likelihood of her passing in this particular calendar year 
were high just based on the fuckery that that is this calendar year, one. And two, just, you know, simple math, people, simple odds. You know what I mean? So with that being the case, we've seen what happened when Justice Scalia passed and Obama decided that he wanted to appoint another justice. Mitch McConnell and every Republican who who thought they were with him made it a point to block that, period. Merrick Garland did not have a snowball's chance in hell in becoming a Supreme Court justice thanks to Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, and a shit ton of other Republican power players in the Senate. Yes, including Mitt Romney. Yes, even including some of your favorites like Susan Collins and Lamar Alexander. They was there. All of that. They was there. All of these things happened when they were there. So I don't know why anyone would logically think that they're about to save us now. Whatever. I know that this is this is uncomfortable. It's not fun. Like I said, I bring this negativity. It is not fun to think that this shit is about to really hit the fan. But it is. So let me tell you exactly how it's about to hit the fan. Mitch McConnell, less than an hour after this lady has been announced dead. I mean, we're not even sure that she flatlined yet. Her body is still, you know, active right now. Pardon me. But I mean, you know, what I'm saying is that she hasn't even been allowed to rest and transcend without this man putting out an official statement that say, yo, we having this vote. We promised we was going to have a vote. We are going to have a vote on a Supreme Court justice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg this year. The year 2020. That's it. Listen, and let me tell you how you know this is it, because, again, I do the news. I know what's going on with the stimulus package. If you haven't been paying attention, you know what's going on with the stimulus package? Not a goddamn thing. Why? Because Mitch McConnell said so. He said he called the the Democratic proposal for the stimulus, the coronavirus relief bill, he called it an unserious wish list. And I'm not even going to dignify that with a vote. Fuck if you have the votes or if you don't. The, rep- the Senate is controlled by Republicans anyway. So the, the likelihood is that they didn't have the votes. But even to not have it entertained just by, by edict of the majority leader of the Senate, that's how powerful that guy is. You talk about Supreme Court justices. You talk about presidents. We all attach power to these people because we see them and we hear it just sounds Supreme Court justice and the uh, president of the United States. It sounds really, really important. Mitch McConnell is the senior senator from the state of Kentucky, and he's more important than all those motherfuckers. Straight up. Mitch McConnell runs and has been running shit for quite some time. Chuck Grassley running shit quite some time. Senator from uh, excuse me, Indiana, I believe. Yeah, I, I know. I see Chuck. I've seen Chuck Grassley my whole life moving through the Capitol Hill hallways. Power. All right. Charles Schumer, Chuck Schumer of New York on the Democratic end of this thing. Power. Nancy Pelosi. Power. You know what I'm saying? Power. These are these are people who have power and influence. It's not this isn't in the abstract. This is real shit. This isn't like, yo, if if such and such agrees with me, then I can do that. Nah, they can do shit today. They can get shit done right now. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about these people and you think about the leverage they have and they hold over your life, 
it's interesting that we attach the level of importance and significance that we attach to other people who may have a nice space carved out for them in pop culture, but if we really do the information and you do the studying, they don't have that much influence over your life. Maybe symbolically, but not realistically. All right, let me say this. This is not good. I, I will agree with everybody, although I don't think it's the fucking, this isn't when you should have hit the panic button, but this is not good. This is, this is actually bad. And this is bad for a couple of reasons. Yes, Donald Trump will uh, select and nominate and get confirmed another Supreme Court justice, whether it's this year or when his term is inevitably extended after the November 6th, third election. Listen to me. The guy can't lose. Even if he lose, he lose. He win. There's not. He already told you the only way he can lose is if they cheat. He's already primed up his followers, his government agencies. He has people in government cabinet official uh, posts who have not been confirmed. You don't think you think that they're going to go some fucking where if he quote unquote loses. You think that they're going to all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give up my post. Yeah, Joe Biden came out. No, that's not how the, that's not how coups work. See, we're in the attempted coup phase right now. And I'll, I'll help you understand that a little bit better. An attempted coup is when someone is actually for the first time trying to see test the boundaries of the government or the democracy that they function in it. All right. People forget Hitler came to power in a democratic election. Hitler was elected. He didn't just run up in the fucking rice tag or whatever and say, yo, this is my shit. Get everybody out. That's not how this works. What happened was when it was time for there to be some reshuffling of the government or whatever, you know what he did? He burned the fucking state house down. Say, yeah, you know, he said somebody else did it, of course, but... Then all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the state house catches on fire in Germany. And now, you know, the government is displaced. And it's like, yo, we can't have an election because shit is fucked up. Sort of like having a pandemic. Sort of like being in the middle of a, a war or a trade war or any, any dire situation you care to pull out. So as I've said several times, this election, this election cycle is more or less a foregone conclusion, but it is an attempted coup because we're trying to see the limits of just how far we can push this thing. Something that's important also to remember is that there is no constitutional basis or law that says there have to be nine justices on the Supreme Court. Do your Googles, do your, do your Constitution searches, whatever you need to do. I'm telling you, there is no law in the books that says that has to be a thing. So at the end of the day, what is stopping this entire government from reshuffling and rearranging what it's doing? I'm going to tell you what's stopping it. Dissent. Shout out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg for that because that was what her life was about. Dissent. And she happened to be one of the people who had a chair where her dissent had to be heard. It had to mean something. Me, see, I'm just sitting here. I'm, I've got a camera on me. I'm talking, but I'm not anybody's authority figure, nor do I want to be. I don't want anyone to blindly 
follow any particular uh, school of thought. I want people to dissent. I want people to dissent. I, that's all I want. I want to see you guys say, hold up, wait a minute. Might not agree with that. Might have a problem with that. And if we do have a problem with that, then we propose solutions. That's what this government is not going to provide us, gang. Like, they're not going to give us any solutions. They're not here to figure out our problems. They're here to perpetuate the system. If the system can stay upright, then our problems are, you know, minutiae. They're not really important. If the system collapses, then people's problems become front and center. People's problems become the order of the day. The only thing that we have to, to solve, to have to address. It's been, it's been proven several times in history. French Revolution, Communist Revolution, Revolution in Cuba, Central American governments, all of these things come from the people. They don't come from fucking Congress. It's never been a fucking statesman or a, a president or a leader of, of a political party to take society through the final movements of Re revolution, realignment, rearrangement, whatever you want to call it, all right? So while RBG's passing is important and while all of this shit is, is worth noting, we're on a trajectory here that we've been on for quite some time, man. And like I always, I say this often and, you know, people might not feel me, but whatever, we're headed towards secession. We're headed towards the United States not being so united anymore. And I personally don't think that that's really a bad thing. At one point in time in this country's history, 1863 to 1865, to be specific, that shit was very much on the table. The really fucked up part about that is that both sides were okay with racism, but one side was so dedicated to the most extreme version of that that they were willing to die about it. They were willing to die about that. They were dedicated that much to the concept of white supremacy and slaveholding and, you know, dehumanization of anyone who didn't look like them, that they were willing to die about it. Kind of seems pretty similar to the moment we find ourselves in today. I was, like I said, I was watching my man. He was in Lansing at this Second Amendment rally or whatever. Now, these guys carrying around these AR-15s or whatever, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm from a place where people have big guns, too, and, and those guys don't frighten me as much as a, a skinny kid who doesn't really have shit to lose with a big gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not nearly as reckless. They don't nearly, they don't have nearly the motivation and the energy to wreak as much havoc as they think they do when it comes down to it. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're living in a moment where those type of actors are supported by the state. They're supported by ideology that has their back. What, what's our ideology? Where, where do we stand? You know what I'm saying? You got to ask yourself, why, what does this particular historical event or historical moment mean to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, what the Supreme Court passed or didn't pass or legitimized or did not legitimize, I'm sorry, it had very, very little impact on how someone who is already operating on the fringes of society has to live their life. 
They have to, we still have to live. We still have to move in this republic here. We are headed towards an, a much more fractured version of that where certain people are not going to be obedient to the, the status quo that we used to have. Listen, this, all, this whole shit is built on obedience, yo. There have been, there is a large vocal portion of the population that has already said outright, Nobody is going to be their president except for Donald J. Trump. That's a very real thing. That's not a joke. So unless we have or are prepared to take a a similar stance to avoid what we all have been seeing very clearly is a continued march towards fascism and authoritarianism, then you're not really saying shit. Okay? You're making requests. You know what I'm saying? Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought with every last breath in her body to keep it going. She knew she could. She knew she was not going to be here to see this whole thing play out. Her dying wish, as dictated to her granddaughter, was I don't want to be replaced until that man is replaced as removed as president, until there is a new president. Not until after the election, that's important to draw distinctions in that language. Not until after the election, until there is a new president. That's her dying wish. Now, of course, you know, practically speaking, how are you going to bring that about? You can't. But if you can express something, that's I understand the sentiment. I get the sentiment. You know what I'm saying? And the fact of the matter is, the question that you have to ask yourself is, what means do you have to make that a possibility? What means you have to make that a possibility is defiance, outright disengagement from this system, bro. Listen, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not an anti-vote nigga. I've already had my spiel about voting and what I feel about how the importance of voting and the importance of people participating in a democracy and all of that. I've already done that. But what I'm not going to do is sit here and tell y'all we can vote our fucking way out of this. Wasn't we supposed to vote? Didn't we vote 10 years ago, eight years ago, whatever years ago, four years ago, in order to not see the very things that are playing out right now play out? I'm definitely, listen, don't, nobody can tell me shit. I've been, to, I've been to every voting. I've voted at all the polls, all right? But I'm aware that I live and vote in the state of Maryland, which, you know, is a blue state. All right, cool. I'm totally understanding. I'm voting democratically down this ticket. Real shit. And I'm hoping that the people who I vote for down the ticket of Democrats are able to be active enough in their elected roles in order to represent our best interest. That doesn't happen. Okay? who the fuck? Listen, all the people that you voted for up and down the ballot are supposed to be the people to stop this. They're not supposed to be looking at you to say, go vote again. Motherfucker, we voted. Here you are. You're here. What the what? What's good? You know why that doesn't work out? Because you don't have to be particularly intelligent to be a politician. And your activism is very similar to the activism that Kanye West is currently displaying. It's only at its fever pitch when somebody wronged you. You know what I'm saying? Like niggas only get to complaining about money when they money missing. And somebody else's money, fuck them. You know what I'm saying? People only get to complain about social misjustice and, and mistreatment when they are being mistreated. 
if someone else is being mistreated, fuck them. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are a whole bunch of people. It took a lot of people in the black community a long time to understand that as it relates and related to LGBTQ rights and so on and so forth. It takes a lot of people in the Latino community a difficult time to adjust to understanding about minority dynamics in America, Latinos, Asians, you know what I'm saying? All types of people who come from other places. It takes them time to adjust and understand the dynamics in this country because this place is built on fake individualism, but it's really groupthink. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, you can be an individual, but only this type of individual. This is how you be an individual. This is how you do it. So that's my whole thing with voting. Listen, we have been voting, people. They have told us that is how we do it. Okay, cool. We'll do it. My grandma presided over every election. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been involved. I've been very proud of a lot of the people that I've seen hold elected office in Washington, D.C. I've seen, man, it's, it's people I fuck with. It's people I don't fuck with so much that I can see them like, all right, cool. It's good. But guess what? I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm a critic. My job is not to like you. I'm not here to fucking boost you up. I'm here to ask you questions or hold you accountable. And that's what we don't do in America. We don't vote for, for candidates who we want to be held accountable. We vote for parties. We vote for our team. And we hope that our team wins. If our team is the Democrats, then allegedly our values are liberalism, uh, equitable government programs that take care of society. Society, large government, large corporations take care of society. If we're on the conservative or Republican team, our team values are, yo, we want small government. We strive for individual liberties and freedoms. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Okay, cool. Neither one of those things are terrible in and of themselves. The practical application of this shit and the actual understanding that it all revolves around capital. It doesn't actually revolve around any real ideology or any real ethic. It's, it's money. Whoever got the money, you can make the rules. You know what I'm saying? When FDR came along and the country was in a depression and he signed the New Deal, he did that because he was of the elite. He could do that. He, could, he, was only, he was one of the only people that was actually able to check the robber barons of that time, and he did so because he felt the need to be an activist in that way. You know what I'm saying? And then when the time came to, to reverse all that shit, that shit got reversed, all right? We function in a country where really and truly democracy and our representative democracy is only representative of a very few interests. And those very few interests that it's representative of Yo, they, they hold themselves down. They, they'll never be out of the conversation. So don't ever get it fucked up. Let me keep this a buck while you're watching, while you're paying attention here. Yo, four out of the last five Supreme Court justices have been nominated and confirmed by a president who lost the fucking popular vote. How popular is that? How representative is that? The president, Bush, now Trump, to a piece, now coming up on three, lost the popular vote. More people voted for the other guy than voted for them, and they have put four people on the highest court in the land for life. Not to mention the sickening amount of federal judges that this president has appointed and the crazy legacy of the federal judges that Bush appointed. That's what has given us the advanced levels of 
mass incarceration that we see and have seen over the last decade, yo. It's crazy. So, and what's really good, what's really crazy about all of that in the long run is that those people aren't going anywhere, okay? A lot of these judges that have been, a lot of these judges that have been out here are young. Yo, thank you, Mike. We talked about that, how they did Barack. When Merrick Garland was nominated, it was a whole entire year left in Obama's term. We're not talking, we have 46 days until the election right now. It was a year left. They left that seat open for a year. This is, this, this shit is so ridiculous to me that I sometimes forget that it bears mentioning because I think that everyone would never forget that. Like, I'm like, yo, you can't forget this. This really happened. So now there's, I mean, there's tape floating around right now of Lindsey Graham sitting on the couch saying, yeah, you know, we did Merrick Garland. We did that thing. So, you know, if it came back around and it, it went down like that, you know, at Trump's, we would wait because, see, Lindsey Graham is a different kind of case. He's a different kind of sickle fan. He's a different kind of shitbag politician that really, really will say anything at any given time in order to appease the people that you know, are greasing his pockets at said time. It's crazy. He has a a strong challenger in South Carolina, black man, Jamie Harrison, running for uh, Lindsey Graham's seat. It would be it would be awesome to see that seat flip. But again, electoral politics is so greasy. And don't think they just cheating on the presidential poll. Okay, don't think that they're just cheating for the president. There's going to be cheating up and down the ballot here. And in Charleston, I'm sure they're going through the same thing that D.C. is going through with polling places being misplaced or cut down significantly. I'm sure the voter registration rolls are being purged just the same way they are in Georgia, in Michigan, you know what I'm saying, Wisconsin. I'm sure all that's happening. You know, again, fight that fight. Cool. If you believe in electoral politics that much, fight that fight. And then fight the legislative fight. And then fight the legal fight. And then ultimately, you'll have to fight the executive fight because, you know, whoever the chief executive is of the country, he just sets the policy in motion. Like I said, the attorney general who has spoken clearly about what he thinks about protesters, what he thinks about racial injustice and disparities in arrest and all. He's told you clearly he thinks that shit is bullshit. Fuck you. I don't give a shit what y'all talking about. You know what I'm saying? We're doing our thing. Y'all protesters, y'all scumbags. And if we can, we're going to hit every last one of you motherfuckers with a million dollar bail. Think about that. You went to jail for protesting, for carrying a sign. And now you're in, in, in jail for with a million dollar bail. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to. It, it, it can really happen. It can happen just like that. It can happen just like that. And I hate to break it to any of y'all out here who's shedding tears, but RBG wasn't stopping you from none of that. She was not a barrier in between none of that. She was a lady who lived a remarkable life, who lived to be 87 years old and really worked in one of the highest, most intense, most high profile legal jobs you can have in this country until her last breath, like literally until she died. That's in, that's incredible. Hey, my grandma was chilling when she was 87. I used to come over, grandma be in the house, you know, making a fucking pork chop sandwich or something. Cooling. Doing her thing. Which I thought was super impressive. She wasn't in there writing dissenting opinions about immigration cases. That's pretty damn remarkable, yo. And we should mourn her for that. We should celebrate her for that. We shouldn't mourn her because 
all of a sudden she's not going to be our our levy, our barrier against big bad Trump. She never was, yo. That never was the thing. You know what I'm saying? If anything, she did what she needed all of y'all to do and what I'm trying to encourage everyone to do, which is dissent. Dissent. Speak out against this shit every time you can. Everybody's trying to outslit this shit, trying to find a, 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 a oh, well, yeah, RBG died, fuck it, go vote. You know, da, 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 da. such and such, such. Yeah, just go out here and make sure, you know, you go vote for your local representative or whatever. That seems to be only people's only answer right now. As, and, and do you think it's coincidental that that's the only answer we can find 46 days from the election? You think that's only about the president? Yo, we want you to vote for all of these motherfuckers up and down the ticket. What's a politician that doesn't hold office? Unemployed, my nigga. That's what they are. A bum. You don't have, you don't, you know, come on, bro. Like, if you're running for office and you're trying to get, that's your job. That's what you want. You want to be compensated. If you win, you can be compensated for serving. And when you win and you find out what the compensation is for serving, that's when your ears start to perk up to all those other conversations about how you, else you can get compensated. If you support this bill, oh, yeah, we can throw a couple of things in your campaign fund. Or if you support this bill, we can make sure your kid gets the da 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 That's how the game works, ladies and gentlemen. This, the president, the president of the United States, his salary is somewhere around $400,000. Congressmen, their salaries, I believe, max out somewhere around 200000 if I'm not mistaken. It's probably less, to be honest. I'll Google that. I'll get back to you with the exact number because it's important to know. You don't get paid a lot of fucking money. Hey, you pay taxes. Don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? Like, congressmen and congresswomen tend to be, the most powerful ones tend to be independently wealthy. And the ones who gain power and gain influence along the way, they become wealthy because that's what the game is about. You know what I'm saying? Now, AOC and Ayanna Presley and all of them, they're the squad. They're brand new into this whole thing. Maxine Waters was once brand new into this whole thing. There were a whole bunch of people who came in with her. Those who could play the game and get the money stayed. Those who couldn't got Cynthia McKinney out of there. You know what I'm saying? Do your Googles. Look her up. You know what I'm saying? There's, not, there's never been a shortage of people dissenting within the system. However, we always find ourselves looking around and just looking for the people who we've carved out this place for in pop culture to fucking save us. And when they don't save us or when they ultimately expire, as human beings do, we're at this gigantic loss. And I don't, uh, I don't know how else to put this, but I think it's fucking stupid <laughs> to... Put this lady in a position where you felt like she was here to save you. And it's also really stupid to think that any of these on the fence Republican, you know, lawmakers who perhaps could position themselves or present themselves as very sympathetic to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and very uh, empathetic to her struggles as a woman as a, a, a minority, a Jewish woman, as a trailblazer in a legal career and all of that. And for her longevity period, just out of respect, you would think 
that some of these people would perhaps take some time to identify with the dissenting side and and take after RBG and say, hold up, we're not going to do this. I wouldn't count on it. I would not bet on it. We shall see. I look, I've been wrong before and I will be wrong again. I think it's important to know that without taking a step in any direction, you just fucking wrong all the time. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, I feel like I'm right enough that I can say Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are not the people you want to be hedging your bets on against Moscow Mitch. Mitch is about that life. And Mitch gets what Mitch wants. And if Mitch believes that it's advantageous to not only this president, but to this administration and to ultimately this ideology of American superiority, American exceptionalism, that's something you should probably one of these days read a book or two about. It's really it's a very, very interesting philosophy of American exceptionalism and jingoism and just all out savagery. The shit that we love over here, yo. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the shit that we've been programmed to love over here. And those type of things are deeply embedded in the way we play politics. So, you know, that's the game, man. That's what's happening right now. It's Mitch McConnell versus the empaths. And Trump and his regime have shown that they don't give any quarter to empaths. They don't take no pauses. They shit on whoever. Gold star families, you know what I'm saying? Whoever. You in the way, you getting dumped on quickly. You know what I mean? And like I said, hey, we have no choice but to resist. Me and my wife was talking about this before I even came on. Like, yo, we as African-Americans have actually circumnavigated actual bondage in this country in order to establish a culture, establish languages, vernacular, traditions, food, customs, all of that underneath this whole oppressive regime. Niggas, man, grandmother, my grandmother couldn't even vote until she was in her 40s and she woke up one day every day and ran out for those elections to administer the polls. So we have always found a way to move around. And as I always say, Harlem shake through the pressure. You know what I'm saying? We always figured out a way to do that. And we're not going to stop. It just don't stop. So rest well to RBG. See me got the ponies today, man. Old school things. Pull out the pony. Let me see. Pour some libations one time for the ancestors. Straight up. Rest in peace to RBG, man. You know what I'm saying? Yo, you did well. You fought a good fight out here. 87 years old. Phenomenal life. Phenomenal life. Well done. But, yo, y'all don't fucking panic, man, because we got a lot of more shit to panic about. We have a lot more issues to worry about. We got a lot more fights to fight. You know what I mean? Just always remember, things work out best for those to make the best of the way that things work out. And uh, weekend edition of the Black Broadway podcast on a quick Friday. I had to get out here and give y'all this breaking news moment. If I was really on my shit and I wasn't such a dad and a husband, I would get in the whip and drive down to the Supreme Court. There's some shenanigans going on over there because you know we live in an anti-intellectual moment where people don't even know how to act right when somebody die so trumpers are pulling up there talking shit there's tension after there's supposed to be a celebration for this lady man so yo we celebrating people we celebrating elders lives out here we making news remember fuck the news we the news black broadway podcast we out of here peace
That's how you do a podcast, kids.